I preached last week in Wichita how important it is to know the Holy Spirit and how unknown he is in my life. And I'm pressing in and I want to know him more. 1 Corinthians chapter 2, if you'd go there with me. It's one of my favorite verses burning on my heart two weeks ago. Talking to this church, so carnally minded, he addresses it in chapter 3. And he's addressing two different types of spirits in chapter 2 here. And he says in verse 12, 1 Corinthians chapter 2, what we have received is not the lowercase spirit of the world, because there is a spirit in the world, but the uppercase spirit who is from God. Why did you and I receive the Holy Spirit from God? So that we may understand or know or come to fully comprehend the wonderful things that God has freely given to us. We didn't get the spirit of this world. We got the spirit from God so that we can know what we got. What did we get? We got Christ Jesus, who chapter one says has become for us wisdom from God and our righteousness and our sanctification and our redemption. Everything God gave us, he put in a package called Christ Jesus and he put it in us. I did not get patience or peace or self-control. I don't get little bits of it. I got it all in Christ Jesus. A hundred percent of all that I need is in Christ. The Holy Spirit helps make that real in my life. He helps unpack Jesus from within me to the outside. And he takes the very nature of God, the very nature that ruled Christ Jesus' life, and he makes it rule in my life. The very nature of Christ Jesus is made to rule in my life. Therefore, I don't have to serve sin as a slave anymore. So how important is it to know the Holy Spirit of God? And what this verse tells us is the spirit of the world blocks revelation. Because look, the spirit of the God is that we, from God is that we may understand. And so the opposite of that, the spirit of the world blocks understanding. So this, the spirit of the world numbs us. You ever felt that? Become drunk on this age or the anxieties of life that choke out the seed? That's what the spirit of the world does. It makes us drowsy, like the disciples whose eyes could not stay open to pray. But when we're sober-minded, we're sober unto what? Prayer. And the spirit from God helps us to pray. That's what I want to talk about here in just a second. But the spirit of the world makes us drunk, makes us fall asleep in this age. And it's a battle. It's a battle every day. But the Spirit of God must be known to know and understand all that Christ is within us. How important is it to know the Holy Spirit? That spirit of wisdom and revelation, he's called in Ephesians chapter 1. The counselor, the comforter, the advocate, parakletos, or he stands beside us. The Holy Spirit, God, very God. And yet when I say the Holy Spirit to some of you, you instantly have a thought in your mind about what that looks like, maybe. When I say, know the Holy Spirit, you might think of a TV program or a charismatic preacher. You might think, you have a frame of reference for the Holy Spirit in the American church. And I'm just asking you to reintroduce yourself or ask the Holy Spirit to reintroduce himself to you. Because we must know him in this hour. One of the ways that I know the reality within me, a very key and primary way 
that he gives for us to do that is by praying in the Spirit. Praying in tongues. And as I said that, many of you have frames of references that you just thought about. So go with me, if you would, to 1 Corinthians chapter 14. Take a right. Just take a couple minutes here on this. There's two types of tongues. 1 Corinthians chapter 13, in verse 1, gives us what those two are. There's the tongues of men, that's knowing different languages spoken by men, and there's the tongues of angels. There's two different types. One is a spoken language that men and women understand in their own native tongue, like it happens Acts chapter 2, and the Spirit fell. They heard them proclaiming the wonders of God in their own tongues. And missionaries to this day have been able to receive a gift of other languages when they're preaching the gospel out in the field. It's glorious. The second is the gift of prayer, the, the tongues of angels. Many of you know what I'm talking about. Some of you have, have tasted it. You've done it once or twice, and, and you've, you've, you've got the t-shirt for it. And others of you are maybe a little freaked out by that. Like, that seems super weird, and I don't know about that. And some of you are like, yeah, I want to know that, but I've never been able to. Like, tell me more. All right, I will. Here's seven things to think about. First of all, look in chapter 14, verse 18. I thank God, Paul says. I thank him. I praise him that I speak in tongues more than all of you. Now, here's the man who next to Jesus is maybe the most amazing Christian that's ever walked the planet. He gives almost over half of the New Testament to us. Walked in power and authority like no man on earth besides Jesus, Paul. And he's standing in front of this group of carnal Christians and he's saying, there is zero contest between all of you combined and me. I'm praying in tongues when I'm walking. I'm praying in tongues when I'm sailing on ships, maybe when I'm floating in a shipwreck on the sea. I'm praying in tongues when I'm being beaten with rods or stoned, when I'm building tents all the time. Now, what should that tell us about the man who gave us most of the New Testament, God's chosen instrument? Well, that tells me I got some catching up to do. I want to be like that. I pray in tongues a lot in my prayer language while I'm driving, while I'm at work, brushing my teeth all over the house. I'm going to tell you a story here when I wrap up here about praying in tongues yesterday afternoon for you, what the Holy Spirit spoke to me all the time. But man, I could do it more. I'm telling you, that's a tell for us about the Christian life. Now, here's seven things about tongues that are very important. Number one, in verse one of chapter 14, follow the way of love and eagerly desire the gifts of the Spirit, especially prophecy. Especially prophecy, that's a sermon in and of itself. We love prophecy here, the mind and counsel of the Lord. But you're supposed to eagerly desire the gift of tongues. Did you know that? That's actually your portion. The Holy Spirit in you longs for that. I'm just talking to my brother-in-law, Brad, in Colorado about this. I said, in your prayer language, you pray in tongues? He's like, oh no, but I want to. I've never been able to, but I want to. That was my wife Lizzie's story. We prayed for years for her. That was my story. I want to. So he's eagerly desiring. He's crying out for it. And the Lord's answering his prayer slowly but surely. Lizzie cried out for the better part of three years until she received it. This is a gift. I love John Piper. You know, he's, he's, a, 
He's the Baptist guy who's reformed. And he's like, I've never prayed in tongues, but I want to. You said it's a gift, Lord, and I, and I want that gift. Would you give it to me? I don't know if he has or not, but I appreciate that. We should all lean into that. So number two, in verse two, praying in tongues means you're speaking directly to God. Anyone who speaks in a tongue does not speak to people, but directly to God. Because we're not just babbling into the air when we pray in tongues. We're speaking directly into his heart. I want you to think about that. If you can picture God in heaven on his throne and you're standing in front of him and you're interceding from your spirit to him directly. That's what that is. It's like a, it's like a hotline to God. You've got a direct line into his heart there. That's a powerful way to think about it. Number three in verse two, it says that they are uttering mysteries by the Spirit when you speak in tongues. See, because it's the glory of God to conceal a matter, but it's the honor of a king to go search that matter out. God doesn't conceal things so that we'll never find them. He conceals them so that we'll dig and we'll go deeper. He does not leave gold and silver laying on top of the ground. You got to do some mining to get it. But he's a very, very good rewarder of those who diligently seek him. So I promise you, the Lord begins to unpack mysteries in the kingdom of God as you pray in the Spirit. That's the third thing. So number one, we earnestly desire it. Number two, we're speaking directly to him. Number three, we're uttering mysteries by the Spirit. And number four, and this is the only gift like this, when we pray in the Spirit, we edify ourselves. Anyone who speaks in the tongue edifies themselves. They build themselves up. Anybody know what it feels like to be filled with the Holy Spirit? It's a wonderful feeling. Did you know that's your portion all the time? And sometimes for me, it's helpful as I'm at work or going through my day, as I'm praying in the spirit like that, even under my breath, I'm just building myself up and I feel the well inside of me just running over. It's a glorious thing. It feels like a hug inside. Maybe it feels like, it feels like the presence of the Lord burning in my chest. That's my portion and that's yours all the time. This is why it's such a special gift. Number five, in verse five, tongues with interpretation. The one who prophesies is greater than the one who speaks in tongues unless someone interprets so that the church may be edified. Prophecy, Paul holds up all through this entire chapter is the main thing in the church. It builds you up. He's not, he's not discounting tongues. He's saying prophecy is higher than that. But this verse here, he says prophecy is higher unless... Someone speaks in a tongue and there's an interpretation because what that means is it's a prophetic word for the entire group all at once. We've practiced this in our house church. It's a beautiful thing. So prophecy, or I'm sorry, tongues with interpretation is a huge, powerful gift to the church. Number six in verse 14 your spirit is praying. For if I pray in a tongue, my spirit prays, but my mind is unfruitful your mind actually has to kind of get out of the way to pray in tongues. It's a scary thing for Western Americans to do. Trust me. I know exactly how it feels. It's a scary thing to think, what's going to happen? What's going to happen? What's going to happen? You've got to let your mind go and be unfruitful, and it might wander a little bit, but your spirit takes over praying. That's what's happening. You're praying from your spirit, man, in your spirit. And this helps with the prolonged times of prayer. When you pray for an hour at a time or two or three hours at a time, you kind of run out of English. 
And sometimes you gotta pray his heart in groans and utterances that you don't even understand, but the Holy Spirit's praying through you. And this helps in that. And number seven, in verse 26, what shall we say, brothers and sisters, when you come together in your church meeting, each of you has a hymn or a word of instruction, a revelation, a tongue or an interpretation, but let everything be done for the building up. Tongues are something that many of you have. Paul says, I want every one of you to pray in tongues. That's what I long for, every single one of you. But it's actually done for the building up of the body of Christ in our church meetings. And I believe those are our house church meetings when everybody comes with something. Again, we practice this at the McGathys on a regular basis. It's glorious. I grew up freaked out about tongues. I had no idea. All I knew was one time I was leading worship, I was 15 years old, and this crazy lady, because she was crazy, stood up. I was singing an old hymn, and she stands up in the back row and starts screaming in tongues. And I looked at this guy standing beside me and he goes, this is not good. <laughs> so I put my guitar down. We just sat down. I'm like, ah, did we break rules? I mean, that was my experience in the 90s, right? I didn't know what it was. It was either made a huge deal, like you're not a Christian if you don't speak in tongues, or it was made like, it's the devil. You know, it's, there's no balance in the scriptures to it. But I'm like, why do we think that there's so much warfare and so much division and so much attack why do we think that? Why do you think the devil would spend so much effort, time, and energy around disrupting, attacking, and dividing us over this precious gift? Why do you think? It's necessary. It's powerful. We understand mysteries of God as we pray in the Spirit. It helps us in our prayer life. And more importantly, I think, I know the Holy Spirit better as I pray in the Spirit. I know him in a deeper way as I pray in the spirit. That's why there's so much attack around this, this precious gift. It is not something that's a badge that says, I'm a super Christian because I pray in tongues and you're not because you don't. It has nothing to do with that. This is just a gift for the body of Christ. We earnestly desire it. We speak directly to God. We utter mysteries in the spirit. We edify ourselves Tongues with interpretation, a huge gift to the body of Christ. My spirit's praying, and it's part of the church meeting that we're built up together. Paul says, I thank God that I pray in tongues more than all of you. So I wanted this gift for a while. I had no idea what it was. I didn't know how to do it. How do you make noise like that? So I'm sitting at EHOP. Some of you remember that. Eldred, House of Prayer, down the corner, Main and Central. There's a group of elders in there back in the day, and they're praying for me. I'm a young man, young 20s, and they pray for me. They're praying for more of the Holy Spirit. There's like, the Lord's marked you, Jonathan. He's marked you in this town. Dick might have been there. I can't remember who it was. But I remember Brock McKay was praying for me. Somebody had their hand on my head, and I felt as if a corkscrew was being turned into a wine bottle. I felt that in my head. It was the weirdest thing. I felt something being, I actually, my body started to contort a little bit. It never happened before. I felt the movement of the Holy Spirit start to contort and turn me a little bit. And then it was like, and I just started speaking in tongues. Just a little bit. I had no idea what it was, but something broke free. My mind was fighting against it. You're crazy. You're crazy. You're crazy. Don't do this. You'll be like the TV guys who's just nuts. And all of a sudden, uncorked. Praise the Lord, 10 or 15 years ago. And, 
And I've never looked back. And I want to do it more. It's not a one and done thing. It's like I want to grow in understanding these mysteries. So I'd ask you, would you earnestly desire this gift? Last thing. Praying yesterday for you guys. Praying in tongues. Lord, what do you have? Praying for mysteries. I felt prompted by the Holy Spirit to ask three questions in a row. Just got them right in a row. And I got three answers right in a row. And I said, Lord Jesus, what do you have, what do you say about the church in El Dorado? And I heard this phrase. She is mine. What do you say about the church in El Dorado? She is mine. I heard it clear as a bell. Now this isn't scripture. I'm, 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 not, I'm, I'm telling you what I heard here. I want you guys to be blessed by what the Holy Spirit is saying about you. She is mine. What does that mean? I betrothed you to Christ as a virgin. I feel jealous over you with a godly jealousy. Wives, just imagine with me for a moment how your husband feels. If you look at another man or talk to another man in a romantic way, imagine the jealousy stirred up in his heart. Imagine the jealousy of the Lord Jesus for his church today. Friendship with the world is adultery. He bought, as a bridegroom, he bought the church with his blood. She is mine, he says. The next question I ask is, what do you desire from her? What do you want from the church? And I heard two words, intimacy and abandon. Intimacy and abandon. Because without intimacy, there's no fruitfulness. And without abandon, we maintain control. But when we throw it all out to the Lord and we let him take control, there's freedom, there's access there. It's kind of what we were talking about earlier. We worship him in the intimate place, in the splendor of his holiness. I just love getting in my time alone with the Lord. I didn't used to, but it's just so good to feel the hand of the Lord resting on me in my prayer time, in my closet. When everyone's asleep and I can just be quiet and alone, I just love that place, the intimate place with the Lord. I promise you there's joy in that place. The third question, what do you have for the church in El Dorado? I heard one word, myself. Because he told Abraham, I am your very great reward. It's me. In the presence of the Lord is fullness of joy. He's going to fill the universe with himself. In his presence is freedom. He is the great gift. Number one call for a Christian. 1 Corinthians 1. Number one call for a Christian is fellowship with him. Number one call. No other ministry. My fellowship is with him. So the Lord says the church is mine. I want intimacy and I want to abandon. I just want them to, to cast off control of their lives and give it to me. Let me into their hearts. And what I have for the church in El Dorado is myself. The Lord's presence is what sets us apart. It's what causes fear in the hearts of his enemies. Stand up with me if you would. Amy Paulzer walks into the dry cleaners with the presence of the Lord on her. And all she did was say yes to that. I'm telling you, you are presence bearers. God, very God, living inside of you. And only by knowing the Holy Spirit will that be fleshed out. Will it come to the surface? So Lord, I pray in Jesus' name 
that you would manifest your presence through us. I pray for this simple teaching on tongues, that they would not hear my word, they would hear your word in it, God. I'm asking, Father, that we would go deeper in mysteries and understanding, Lord, of your heart and your ways for us. Oh God, I pray you would do a new thing. You would pour out in a new way rivers of living water. For the requests that were made this morning for more of you, I thank you in advance for how you're going to honor those requests. If you long for that gift that I talked about earlier, that prayer language, the tongues of angels, then would you just take this moment here and just say, Lord, I have not eagerly desired it, but I am now. I long for more. And he will honor that prayer. Just ask him for more. He gives good gifts. If you ask for bread, he will not give you a stone. He gives good gifts. So I pray for fear around this gift. I pray for confusion around this gift just to fall away. I'm just asking for biblical normalcy to be returned to the church, Lord. Taking Paul's cues here, Lord, help us, God, help us. We thank you, Lord. Bless the church this week. Strengthen them, encourage them, Lord. Bring us back together again safely, Lord. It's in the name of Jesus we pray. Amen, amen.